KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. A new poll, which was a joint effort of NPR, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, and the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, shines a light on just how difficult the coronavirus pandemic has been for minorities in the U.S. on many fronts. We wanted to really dig down on this, so we reached out to Dr. Robert J. Blendon, co-director of the survey and a professor emeritus of public health and professor of health policy and political analysis at Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Give a listen. So this polling series, uh, give us the big takeaways. What did we learn? What did this polling series tell us? Our group has been involved in surveying natural disasters for many years. And what you do, you discover in a disaster where it's a wildfire, a hurricane, etc., almost everybody, if it was Philadelphia or whatever it is, is impacted by this disaster. But there's a share of people who have very serious problems and their households may not even be viable. They're so impacted by this. This poll focuses on uh, individuals who say they have very serious problems in response to uh, dealing with a a COVID-19 outbreak and and its implications. Uh, When we did this, as many of uh, your listeners We've read about the billions or trillions of dollars of special federal aid going to help uh, people who are at risk here, their state programs, their uh, charitable uh, fundraising efforts. Our uh, belief was that we would find a roughly small number of people who were in terrible shape uh, as a result of this. What we found uh, was generically that nearly half of America was having very serious financial problems. And it was incredibly worse among uh, minority communities, uh, the black community, Latino community, and Native American. And where it comes together is that they are a community that are most dying uh, from highest rates of death uh, for, for this outbreak, highest number of cases. So uh, our uh, thought originally was that with all these programs, they'd be targeted in some way at communities that have very high caseloads, and it would provide a cushion. It wouldn't solve the fact of the general economic situation, but it would provide a, a, a cushion. And what we found were really quite staggering uh, numbers. So financially, 72% of Latinos said they had, were having serious financial problems since the outbreak. 60% of Blacks, 55% of Native Americans. And that compared to, say, just 36% of Whites. But uh, even among the broader community, you see this among people who earn less than $100,000 a year. We have found that among people who lost their jobs or wages cut back. And again, uh, listening to the national news, I thought we had programs to protect people whose hours were cut back and wages. And, and, and it turns out they just have terrible financial problems. Well, wh- what do I mean? Let's make it as simple as possible. So uh, essentially, uh, for minority Americans, four in 10 said that since the outbreak, they've run out of their savings, which means that something goes wrong next week. There's, there's no, well, I'll write a check from our fund. They, they just don't have it. 
And then very large numbers of people can pay uh, their rent, their mortgages, their credit card, debts, their utilities, their air conditioning. They just can't pay uh, for that. And they're in, in, in real uh, uh, trouble for that, which means one slip, one of these households who are more threatened by dying are threatened by their financial side just falling apart in the next few months. And again, we were surprised as how large the numbers were. Uh, if you watch the national news, we have this program, this program, and a charitable groups saying we're giving this and we're that. And so we just assume that when all comes together, a much smaller share of communities, in this case, minority uh, communities, who have disproportionate economic issues and uh, race and ethnic discrimination, but we would have put a cushion uh, under that. So what it, it finds that if there is a cushion, they are incredibly financially vulnerable. And by vulnerable, it's the household falling apart financially uh, over the next month. And the second thing is, and I'm sure it's true in the Philadelphia area, all the parents were sort of told we're going to open up the schools and where to go back. And an awful lot of parents now find their kids having to educate them at home online. And what we found is a very large share of minority communities are having trouble, serious trouble, basically turning their home into a classroom for their child. Other things, recall, they may have to work part time. They don't have this. They may have larger family sizes for this. And so we're talking about uh, the next generation, the American dream. The kids are going to get the education. They go on and they're very substantial number. Uh, are doing it. And then, uh, which I emphasize almost every place, you listen to the school experts say, well, we'll just send everybody an iPad and they'll just take their course. And it turns out in general, we found among minority communities uh, close to four in 10 have problems with connectivity. It's not just they don't have an iPad. It keeps going down. So just the thing about this as the parental level your child needs to get the basic math course. It's going to be taught on a screen at home. And you're telling our interviewers that my screen keeps going down. So we have parents struggling to educate the kids at home with all these other things going on. And the connectivity is not working well for it. So you can see these kids, you know, six months a year are going to be unbelievably disadvantaged. And the problem is greater among minority communities uh, than it is in many others. But somehow you just figured, well, we get them an iPad and we make sure they connect. But this is a real problem. And by the way, it's not only a, a, a real problem for minority communities. I've been interviewed by reporters who turn off their recording to say to me that they're having the same problem in their home. They're going down, going down, going down, and their kids can't get back in the class because they missed 15 or, or, or 20 minutes. And so where this is just important is you have people who are financially incredibly threatened. They're, finan they're threatened by higher risk of dying, getting this virus, and they're having unusually difficult problems of running a education program for their kids online from home. And you could just see the, the conflicts here for high-risk minority members. Well, they're screening at our school or they're screening in my workplace. 
and uh, mom will scream positive. Well, then everybody has to be quarantined in your household. And how am I going to earn a living? Where am I going to get money? And how am I going to make it work for my child? So these are reinforcing. But just the two takeaways are whatever we spend in billions uh, and all the groups, there's something wrong we haven't put uh, for a lot of Americans, particularly minority Americans who are at risk of dying from this disease, some sort of a cushion or a life raft under them. That's the takeaway. And I think if we're going to do something about this, we have to just realize this slogan, we're all at home and we're all in this together, isn't correct. A share of people, and in this case, in this survey, minority communities, they are suffering financial threats that many other Americans are not. And if you want to do something about that, you're going to have to have some cushion that targets where the cases are, uh, where people at risk. So really, it sounds like a lot of this information you guys put together with this with this polling series, doesn't it just kind of underline many of the inequities that I think we're learning more and more have kind of been built into American society? Yes. So it's a- absolutely it a- a- absolutely builds in all the inequities. But one of the uh, things we have tried to believe is that when we have natural disasters, we try to even out the response to people who are really caught in these things. So absolutely, it, it, it does this. Why are they dying at higher rates, which relates to health conditions and everything else? But in disasters, it's always get, don't we narrow the response to help people get back, get their lives back together? And it, it's not all just based on what it was before it happened. So there's no question it shows off the differences. But it is important to realize in a disaster like this, which will be time limited, we can do things so there is some safety, some cushion, some floor about people who are vulnerable in general for how they're vulnerable in a huge epidemic. And to that point, what are some of the things you would like to see to try to address this? So I, I want to be very careful. What our group as an expert is, is talking about your life. We're not an expert on, you know, various uh, uh, government programs. But if you just step back very broadly, if you have some sort of a, a huge epidemic and people are threatened, you could think that you could provide support for 90 days or until this is through that gets them through the worst of this without getting into how to do that. Technologically, there are a lot of smart IT uh, experts around big cities. Can you work on a way of improving the connectiveness uh, for people and also offering technical assistance for families that just cannot connect into the school system? So the very broad things that we do without getting in the politics one thing that doesn't look to me like it's going to be very helpful is having Congress cancel all the aid uh, doesn't look to me like that's going to help. I see this being even a bigger disaster next time somebody does a, a survey. Uh, what someone in the Congress needs to look at is why is it so hard for the aid that's put out there to somehow get to some of these families? And many government programs that are on surveys, they're very complex. They're hard for people to understand how I get in, who's eligible, what do I have to do? And people 
uh, who we surveyed might be eligible or would have been eligible for something that would have helped. Uh, there's been a big effort uh, to try to get food supplies to people, but it's important for groups who care that there are other things that if your electricity is turned off, your air conditioning goes, your water, food is not alone enough. It's an aid which can help people with other parts on a temporary basis. We're not talking about a lifetime support uh, that they can keep and even some things that you can't be thrown out by your landlord, but it depends on the state whether or not they can turn their utilities off. So some states have protection on your electricity, can't be turned off, and others don't. But they're real things that are concrete. They're right at the family level that you might be able to directly help with. But the purpose of the survey was to say, look, there's a small group of Americans that are incredibly struggling, and the results are it's much larger than you thought. And uh, highlighting the minority community is they're dying in unbelievably high rates. And you just can do something to make the other side of their lives more viable so they can get through this epidemic. I mean, that's without being, because I'm not an expert in government programs, things like that. And just to wrap up, they're dying at higher rates. It's not because the virus per se affects them more, but all the access to health care, lack of financial, all these things surrounding that, that lead to worse outcomes? So you're dramatically more affected the virus if you have a chronic illness. And minority populations have, from life and everything else, higher chronic illnesses. Also, you're more at risk if you're crowded. So if I have five in the family and one brings home an infection, I'm much more at risk than if I'm two people alone in an apartment. So they have health problems which make them more susceptible. And they have uh, uh, living things going to crowded markets and everything because that's where you are, makes you more likely to contract it. So there are circumstances in minority communities, health histories, but it's not just if they only got routine medical care because it's not clear that just seeing a doctor regularly protects you from the virus. It's being exposed to people or having some condition which makes you much more susceptible. So just seeing a doctor regularly is not a cure for uh, whether or not you're going to get the virus. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 